Hi, this is Matt Wallace, lead pastor at Holy Cross Lake Mary, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us, and I pray this message inspires you and helps build your faith. To learn more about Holy Cross, visit hclm.org. Enjoy the message. All right, our scripture reading for this morning comes to us from one of my favorite books of the Bible. Uh, It's in the Old Testament. It's called Ecclesiastes. And actually, it jumps around a little bit. It's a a selected readings from chapters 1 and 2 of that book. And uh, so it starts in verse 2 of chapter 1. And uh, here's what it says. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after wind. I hated all my toil in which I toiled under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool, yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun." This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun, because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is a vanity. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy, but to the sinner... He has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to the one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. And this is the word of the Lord. Super happy, uplifting verses, aren't they? Uh, My opening question for this morning, kind of a silly one, uh, but you'll see where we're going with it in just a minute. So my opening question is this. Uh, what's one of your favorite lines from a movie or a TV show? Uh, we've all watched like movies and TV. Every once in a while, we find someone, a character says something that we find uh, particularly good, either really funny or poignant or something like that. And uh, so share that with us. If you've come across a really good line uh, said by someone in a movie or TV show, if you're worshiping along with us at home, you can jump on the live chat. We got Blake over there uh, as our online pastor this morning, uh, and, uh, or you can text your answer to 407-842-8884. What is one of your favorite lines from a movie or TV show? Uh, so I will share one of mine with you. Uh, actually, there are some that I have uh, that are kind of meaningful, like some that I really think uh, are cool and tell some real things about life. Uh, and I have chosen to go the complete opposite direction with the quote I'm going to share with you this morning. Instead, I'm going to share with you, I love this quote, but for the, not because it's at all meaningful, but because it's just so awesome. 
it is uh, one of the cheesiest lines, over-the-top lines ever given uh, by one of the cheesiest, over-the-top actors uh, from one of the cheesiest, over-the-top action movies of all time. Uh, and I'm dating myself, of course, but I am talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger. And the movie that I will be quoting from is Conan the Barbarian, uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. If you're, if you're, you know, like Gen Z or something and you have no idea what I'm talking about, Conan the Barbarian is a, kind of a swords and sorcery movie. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger plays the titular Conan the Barbarian. And in this scene, uh, he is at a dinner uh, being hosted by, I, I think it's supposed to be Genghis Khan, but they don't name him, of course, but that type of person, you know? And uh, they're sitting in a tent, they're feasting, and uh, the, the king, the, the leader, he asks the people there this question. He says, what is best in life? What is best in life? And his son, the prince, says this. He says, the open step a fleet horse, falcons at your wrist, and the wind in your hair. Sounds like a pretty good answer, but shockingly, his father looks at him and he goes, wrong! And then he turns to Arnold Schwarzenegger and he says, Conan, what is best in life? And I will spare you my horrible Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonation and just read it to you normally. Uh, he says this, to crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentations of their women. <laughs> Which has to be one of the most awesome lines ever delivered. And also, I should add, one of the only times I've heard the word lamentations used outside of scripture. Um, so I bring that up for a reason, shockingly. It does tie into what we're talking about today, because honestly, one of the things we're going to kind of address as we look at this passage from Ecclesiastes is we are essentially going to answer that very question, what is best in life? What is good? What is important? What matters? See, uh, we don't know for sure who wrote this book of Ecclesiastes, but most people, including myself, believe it was written by King Solomon. And one of the things you have to understand about King Solomon is that while he started off kind of amazing, you know, he's the son of David, the most famous king, uh, God grants him wisdom and blessings, he becomes hugely successful, he gets to build the temple that we called a Solomon's Temple. Uh, but near the end of his life, he kind of lost things. He drifted away from his relationship with God, uh, the country, uh, because of all his massive building projects, not to mention his own, own kind of greed and collection of wealth. Uh, the country was mired in tax debt and all that kind of stuff. And then he himself, uh, at first under the guise of seeking wisdom, had decided to go and try to experience all these things in the world. <coughs> Excuse me. And instead, what ended up happening was that he basically fell into a life of hedonism, which he found to be kind of empty and meaningless. That's probably when he wrote this book, kind of looking back on his life, <clears throat> on both the successes and the failures. And so there is a little bit of a note of bitterness that kind of runs through what he says. 
And in some ways, it seems maybe a little depressing. But I think we can find some meaning in it. But before we do, guys, uh, favorite uh, movie lines? Yeah, I'm here with my uh, assistant, Pastor Chris. And uh, so we got a lot of answers on this one. It's a hit. So some common ones. Uh, May the force be with you. Oh, there you go. Classic. I'll, I'll be and back. And also with you. And right? also with you, yes. Uh, I'll be back. And then, because uh, there's so many, Pastor Chris, I think that we should just do our favorite. So my favorite uh, is actually one from Miguel on Facebook from Shawshank Redemption, Get Busy Living or Get Busy Dying. Mm. That was my favorite one of the day. This one's my favorite, Chris Otterino, Dodgeball. If you dodge a wrench, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. <laughs> so there are so many, though. So many. Yeah. Yeah, that is, fant- <laughs> that is fantastic. Uh, so this book opens with this kind of shocking statement. Uh, verse 2, he says, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Uh, and we don't use that term vanity very often anymore. Uh, other translations I've seen li- just translated straight out as meaningless. So you could read that as meaningless, meaningless, says the preacher. All is meaningless. I looked up the, the Hebrew word there, and the other various meanings it can have besides vanity are emptiness, transitory, unsatisfactory. Even the word vanity itself is the quality of being worthless or futile. It's a pretty bold statement for Solomon to be saying, right? He's saying that basically all the stuff that people value, all the things we spend our time doing, are kind of meaningless and empty and unsatisfactory. And he gets to that by pointing out that no matter what you do, no matter what you achieve, no matter how great a life you live, we're all going to die. And you can't take it with you. In fact, well, so first let's read his actual words. In verse 18, he says, I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me, and who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. I love what, what Solomon seems to be saying here is literally... I worked hard all my life for this stuff, and I'm not going to get to enjoy it. Instead, I'm going to leave it to someone else who might be an idiot. (laughs) Which, let's be honest, that's not the greatest attitude to have about, like, coming generations and things like that. But there is some truth in it, is there not? Uh, You can work hard all your life, you can deal with and even overcome adversity and hardships in the world, and in the end, you're still going to die. And everything you did will cease to matter. It's a famous poem, maybe you've heard of it, it's called Ozymandias. Has anyone heard of that before? It's a poem by Shelley, and uh, in this poem, a man is walking across the desert, and he finds what was once a huge monument, huge statue of a man, but it's now collapsed, fallen into ruin. And uh, he reads the inscription at the base of the statue, and this is what the inscription says. I'm quoting from the poem here. My name is, excuse me, 
My name is Ozymandias, king of kings. Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. And then the poem continues and says, Nothing beside remains round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. Here's this guy. Built this huge monument to himself. Show how great he was to instill fear in others. And what has come of it? It lies broken in an empty desert. That's what Solomon is expressing when he talks about the meaninglessness of life. You'd think that in response to that, he'd find the answer by turning to spiritual things. If the things of this world, the things we work hard for, the things we amass and collect, if those things are all meaningless, then surely we can find meaning in the spiritual, right? Surely we can find value in the spiritual. And when people come to believe this, Uh, we often begin to put our whole identity into that. Because if everything else is meaningless, well then, the spiritual must be where we place all our energy and thoughts and desires and begins to become what we think about ourselves. I think what that looked like and has looked like is different uh, throughout history. You know, people that have uh, locked themselves away in monasteries or convents, people that have denied other things. But I think we see it sometimes too. Perhaps we've even been there. Sometimes it happens a lot of times when we first come to faith and we're very excited about it. And kind of everything becomes about that, right? Can't talk about anything without, you know, mentioning Jesus, Right? even if it's what happened in the football game last week. Begin to find and put our identity so strongly in that that we forget about everything else. And yet, that's not what we see in Scripture, and it's not what we see here. Surprisingly, in response to the meaningless of life, Solomon doesn't turn to the spiritual But he leans in even harder into the things of this world. He says, there is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. Solomon's answer is, look, if all of these things ultimately are meaningless, just take them for what they are. Just enjoy what you have. Don't worry about the future. Don't worry about who you're going to leave it to and whether they're wise or a fool. But find pleasure and satisfaction in the work itself and take time to enjoy the life that you have. And I'll tell you what's really cool about that is that in doing so, he once again finds the spiritual Because right after that, he says, this also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? When we live and enjoy the life that God has given us, the life that God has blessed us with, we are living that life with God. We are recognizing him in and present in that life that he has given us. 
I love that especially because that's how Jesus revealed himself to us. Jesus revealed himself to us in the ordinary, everyday things of this life. I have a second question before we start to dig into that. Second question is this. How do you picture Jesus? When you think of Jesus, or if you think of meeting or interacting with Jesus, how do you picture him? And I don't necessarily mean that in the Talladega Nights way. But I mean, how do you envision him? Some of that might be his physical looks, his physical appearance, but also his mannerisms, how he acts, how he treats other people, his attributes. How do you picture Jesus when you think of him? Again, you can text your answer to 407-842-8884. There are, uh, if we're talking about that, there are some wild depictions of Jesus in Scripture Uh, In the Old Testament, a lot of people, there's a a figure that appears throughout the Old Testament called the angel of the Lord that would appear to people, oftentimes frightening them. (laughs) In fact, their usual response to seeing the angel of the Lord was to believe that they were about to die, which is why most angels in the Old Testament always lead with, do not be afraid, because people were. A lot of people believe that angel of the Lord is actually Jesus what they call a pre-incarnate Christ appearing before he had been born of Mary. See him as the son of man, this divine figure in the book of Daniel. But probably the most uh, incredible vision we see of Jesus comes in the book of Revelation. It says this, And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest, The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. I wonder if that's how many of you picture Jesus. Uh, Blake, how do people picture Jesus? Yes. Uh, So a lot of answers on this one as well. Open arms, welcoming all, a warm, fulfilling presence. Uh, Somebody said Aragon from the Lord of the Rings. Okay. Interesting. Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah. Yeah. Overwhelming sense of calmness and kindness. Uh, Jesus is calm, loving, and patient. Um, My favorite answer is, my Jesus is a loving Jesus, loves all, doesn't pick and choose who he loves. He welcomes and loves everyone, especially in the world that we live in right now. I also picture Jesus wearing a tuxedo because it says I'm formal, but I'm also here to party. (laughs) Yeah, that is the line. Tuxedo t-shirt. The tuxedo t-shirt from Talladega Nights. Yeah. So there, yeah, there are, uh, there's more answers rolling in too, (laughs) but. Uh, Yeah. How do we picture Jesus? No one said with the stars in his hand and a sword coming out of his mouth and his face glowing, right? I didn't hear that from anyone. And that is probably because despite the fact that he is indeed pictured that way from time to time in Scripture, that's not actually how he chose to reveal himself to us. He chose to reveal himself to us in quite an ordinary way, in being born as a human baby 
into this world. He came into this world as a man, as a human being. He looked like a man. He acted like a man. He ate and drank and slept. You want to know what one of my favorite little moments in Scripture is? It's after the resurrection when Jesus is meeting with his disciples and he asks them for a fish and he eats it in front of him to show that he wasn't some vision, some apparition, some ghost, but that he was a real human being. And so he ate a piece of fish. Jesus laughed and he cried. Jesus revealed himself in the normal, everyday things. He revealed the spiritual and the divine in himself in those normal human spaces. He completed the greatest spiritual work ever done in the reality of this world. Not in a heavenly throne room with golden lampstands and stars in his hand, but in pain and blood and death on a cross. And he rose from the dead right back into that same practical world with a message of forgiveness and hope and eternal life for all who believe. And we still find him in those same places. We don't only find him in church or in the pages of the Bible, although he is there. We find him in everyday life. And because he lives in us, because his spirit dwells in us, we bring him with us into all those same real, everyday situations. Yeah, of course, he's here when we worship, <clears throat> when we serve, when we pray. He's there when we help those in need. And he's certainly there when we share his love and his message of forgiveness with others. But we also bring him with us into our jobs and our homes and our hobbies. He's there with us when we work and play, when we toil and in our fun. And so we find satisfaction in eating and drinking and working because in those things we too recognize the hand and the presence of God. And to those things, it gives an even greater meaning than they would otherwise have. Because it takes the mundane, the normal, the real, and the practical, and it makes them spiritual. Solomon, in Ecclesiastes, another thing he said over and over was this. He said, there's nothing new under the sun. But then Jesus comes, and he says, behold, I make all things new. So what we do is no longer vain and meaningless because we do them with Jesus Christ. And in his name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message and would like to learn more or contribute to Holy Cross, please visit hclm.org.